to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE is a catalyst for change in the engineering industry, and one of the biggest ways we inspire that change is through our annual SWE Conference for Women Engineers and Technologists. This year's conference, WE21 in Indianapolis, Indiana, will help attendees at all ages and stages learn, connect, and grow. Join us for three days of networking and relationship building, over 250 professional development sessions, three inspirational keynotes, and a career fair featuring more than 300 exhibitors. Let's aspire to inspire at WE21, October 21st through the 23rd. Head to we21.swe.org for more info and to register. Hi, I'm Rachel Morford, President of the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to SWE's Diverse Podcast Series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and to like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. Today I'm joined by Dr. Amy Freeman. Amy is not only the Director of the Millennium Scholars Program at Pennsylvania State University, but she is also a Presidential Awardee receiving the 2017 PACEMEM Award. Thanks for joining us today, Amy. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to talk with you, and I wanted to start with learning a little bit more about this Presidential Award for Excellence in Science, Mathematics, and Engineering Mentoring, the PACEMEM Award that I mentioned in your introduction. Sure. Well, it's the nation's highest honor for mentors who work with individuals who might not have otherwise wound up in STEM. And so they, the goal is to really increase future productivity of STEM professionals. And so I've worked with an awful lot of students and an awful lot of groups and, and others to really encourage future STEM professionals. And I've done it for a very long time. So it's a lot of fun when you see the outcomes of all of the work that you've done. And so it makes a difference. It makes a difference. That's incredible. And I know many of our listeners who are in STEM fields and working as engineers and scientists and mathematicians across the globe have credited their experiences in going into engineering from mentoring and support that they've received. So I will thank you on behalf of all of your previous mentees and future mentees, I imagine, as well. Very kind. Very kind. Thank you. And congratulations. That's an incredible honor. So thank you. We're going to take some time today to unpack the changing face of STEM and the efforts that are being made in higher education, which given your role, you're an integral part of. Moreover, we're going to take a deep dive into the tactics and techniques that are used to not only engage underrepresented students in their courses, but really to encourage their pursuit of STEM-related careers. So Amy, as a woman in STEM, can you tell us more about your career and some of the experiences you have had that have inspired you to become a mentor and an advocate yourself? Well, one of the things that um, I have said in the past is the very first underrepresented student I ever retained was me. And it was really hard. And I evolved at a time when there were no, none of this, no, I did not have access to any of the programming, there was no SWE or Nesby or any of the wonderful things that we have now. So as a result, I had to really just get creative about how to be successful and how to get through things and how to advocate on my own behalf. So as a result, by the time I had completed, you know, some of my degrees, I just really began to feel strongly that 
that shouldn't have to happen in the future. I know one of the things folks kept telling me was, you know, people are going to come along behind you and you're first. And so what we're going to do is, you know, push you on through and there, you know, these other people are going to show up. And I kept looking behind me and I saw empty road, nothing, 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 nothing. And so one of the things that I decided to do in my career was to go back and get folks. And so I've spent a couple of decades just, you know, creating programming and initiating situations where people are inspired to go into STEM fields, STEM fields, graduate and go on to, I think, change the country and solve a lot of problems that might not otherwise be solved. So I'm inspired, well, initially by my own experience, but now every day I get up, I am fortunate enough to interact with students and they always have just so many great ideas and so many ways we're going to change the world and all the things we're going to do. And I've been around long enough to know that when I hear them talk, I am listening to 20 years in the future, what's going to be. And it's very inspiring. That sounds like it. And I know we all get a lot of encouragement from the outreach events we do at SWE. And that includes outreach, not only to those individuals who are under the age of 18, but mm-hmm. to our collegiate members as well. It's very exciting to talk with them and hear how excited they are about the future. So yes, can you talk a little bit about the efforts you see as being made at the higher education level to support women in STEM as well as other underrepresented groups? There are many now, and I guess I say many relative to, I think you have to look long-term. You know, very often I hear there's so many barriers and we aren't making enough. If you look over, you know, from yesterday to today, it's little, but when you look 30 years ago, what it was and what it is today, we've made incredible, incredible strides. And so at the university, I think there are a wide array of things that are being done, a number of programs and intervention initiatives that are commonplace now. So, for example, the women in engineering programs across the country, the multicultural engineering programs across the country, there are specialized programs. So I'm right now I'm the director of the Penn State Millennium Scholars Program, which is modeled after the, the Meyerhoff Scholars at University of Maryland, Baltimore County. And they've done it for 35 years where we take students who come in as first year students. And the goal is not just to graduate with a bachelor's in STEM, but to go for a PhD, to get students from the bachelor's directly into the PhD. And so we're making a lot of strides, but I think there are a number of really good things going on at universities. Of course, not to mention all the student organizations supported the, you know, SWE and Nesbianship and ACES, OSTEM, and then the administrative organizations that are also, I think, supported primarily through the universities. So that's NAMIPA, National Association of Multicultural Engineering Program Advocates, and WEPAN, the Women in Engineering Proactive Network, to name a few. The newest of those is the Connected Conference, which is the Collaborative Network in Engineering and Computer, Computing Diversity. And it just, it cuts across many, many diverse populations and looks at a variety of issues. So whether it's ability or veterans or uh, LGB or race or women, that's, I think they're in their fourth year with their conference. And that's a very cool thing. There's a lot out there. I think there are many efforts that are supported by the university, whether at the university or at a national level. Yeah, that's an incredible number of programs that you just listed. And you reminded me of when I was a college student and the Center for Engineering Diversity at my school was just such a wonderful resource for myself and my classmates. And we had you know, it was where I went to study frequently. So it's yes, amazing yes. that that programs like that are encouraging every yes. group to go into engineering and STEM. 
Yes. Which school were you at, may I ask? I was at the University of Southern California. Great, great. Yep. Good. Yeah, that's that, good. Lots of hours spent in CED. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So it's obviously more than just engagement in STEM. It's encouraging pursuit of STEM-related career paths. And I really liked your your comment about the program that encourages students to go from a bachelor's degree to a PhD, because obviously graduate school is so important for engineers and scientists. And we do see a huge drop off in terms of students pursuing those advanced degrees. Um, Is there something that you can talk about in terms of the programs that are encouraging students to pursue career paths? Because barriers are still very present Mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. addition to those graduate programs. Yeah, I think, you know, all the programs I mentioned, but I think very often it's the programs, but I, I often think that those of us who have completed a STEM degree, I think it's really important for us to be vocal, use your voice. I'm an African-American woman engineer, and there are not a whole lot of us out there, and I'm aware of that. One of the things I think about, well, my PhD is actually in workforce education and development with a focus on STEM education. And so in workforce education, one of the things you look at is what makes a person decide their career path. And when you look at all the stipulations and all the information that we collect, why did this person decide to go here and why did that person decide to go there? And can you control those variables to dictate where a person chooses to place their career? One of the most interesting things to me is that Your career path is decided by the time you're 10 years old. You have a list in your head going on and you ever ask students, you know, little kids, what do you want to be? What do you want to be? I want to be a fireman or a policeman or I want to be a hairdresser. I want to be a doctor. It's all the stuff they've seen and all the stuff they've heard. And so they can't want to be something that they don't know is. So one of the things I really encourage people to do is when you see a child, hi, my name is Amy. I'm an engineer. So what do you want to be when you grow up? And you might be the first engineer they've ever met who looks like them, who is like them, and where they can imagine themselves being such a thing. It's a little thing, but I think it's incredibly, incredibly powerful because you've just added to the list of all the things that they can become. And so I think using your voice and talking about it and being vocal and public with it is just extremely, extremely important. I still contend we need a hit TV show with love interests and money. And, you know, you ever see the stereotypical engineer where they still have kind of a Dilbert-esque stereotype where, you know, you're broken glasses and you're pinpack. No, our glass, we have contacts now. We make lots of money and drive pretty cars. What? You know, we solve these incredible world problems and just something where I just think it's important to generate, be intentional about generating interest. The other thing I think is to, it's important to create forums where you can form community, whether you want to become an engineer or whether you're already an engineer. And when there are community forums, it means that people who are engineers and maybe feel isolated or whether it's imposter syndrome or just a wide array of the different barriers that we talk about, there's a place to talk about the barriers freely. There's a place to talk about solutions for the barriers. There's a place to meet individuals who've overcome barriers. And I think those are the things that make us want to, it makes you want to go forward places where, and you have to be intentional about creating those environments. So while I mentioned a number of different organizations and opportunities, you know, through universities and so on, I think each of those, what they all have in common is that they create community and there are never going to be enough different kinds of community. So I strong believer in community, mentoring, you know, just encouragement and helping people where you can, just the little things make such a big, big 
difference. So I don't know if that answered the question well, but I'm very hands on and get in there and you know, how are you? How are you today? Do you like cookies, chocolate chip or oatmeal? You know, it's important. It matters. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that's the difference in whether someone quits their program or decides to get up and go on and finish the program out, just knowing I'm not alone in this thing. Yeah, absolutely. I personally resonate so much with the idea of community and Mm -hmm. that community being vital to continuing in STEM and engineering professionally. Um, I think having Having that community, not only at a school while you're going through classes or in graduate school, but also when you get into the workforce and can ask each other questions about what I'm having this experience. Are you having a similar experience where you hear it's not just you? That's incredibly important. Absolutely. Absolutely. My research area is that of the summer bridge. When we typically think of the first year bridge where the students, before they come to college, they spend summer, a math intensive summer with a community or a cohort of people. And the goal is for them to be together at least the first year, but very often over the next three or four years. And the purpose of all of that is to create a space to transition from whatever you'd say from high school to college or from dependent to independent. And I think the idea of the transitioning bridge applies across the board. So if you're in a place of where you feel isolated to transition from being and feeling isolated to a place of community to transition from, you know, whether it's promotion or whether it's trying to discover something new or trying to, wherever it is you're trying to go, I think you have to be real intentional about creating smooth transitions from one one situation to the next. That's a really interesting one that you bring up, promotion, because I, mm-hmm. I do know that as people move forward in their engineering careers, we obviously have heard of the leaky pipeline and how there's folks who drop out of engineering yeah. as a career. Sure. And I wonder if we're not supporting that transition period as you're promoted into senior level technical roles or even into that first management role sufficiently with that community support. So yes. that's an interesting one. Yeah. And I agree. I, I think it's problematic. And I think that in the land of where I am, we create intentional intervention programs. This is for you to transition. Come with us. In Professional life, it's not always so clear. So the the transition, say, as regards promotion or gaining access to some of the things or resources or individuals that you need access to very often, it's not as clear as a program. And so learning how to create those spaces, either ideally collaboratively with others, I think is a critical skill set to learn. So how do you create community if you're in a hostile environment? How do you learn the, sometimes I call it just the politics and the nuances of how things work. I had some students, they were doing a project and a presentation. And one of the things that was pointed out was they could not find any African-American Nobel Prize winners in STEM. And they were looking and looking. I said, that's why we're waiting for you. You're that next guy. So it's easy for me to say that to them. But the next thing is, I said, it's, if this is something you want, then you need to find out, not just be good at what you do, but find out what's significant about individuals in that community. How do they get there? How much of it is hard work? How much of it is who you know? How much of it is, you know, making great connections and so on? I think very often we're led to believe that if you work hard and be good and do all the right things, then magically 
all these wonderful things just come to you because you deserve an interesting word, all these things. And I find that's one piece, but the other piece is many of us spend years and years and years of our lives doing the right thing, working hard, giving back. And at the end of the day, we often wind up where there's marginalized. When you look at just the pay rates of women, the promotional rank of women and those kinds of things and racially underrepresented populations and others who are marginalized, it's hard work ain't enough, you know? And so how do you change the, how do you change the game? I think learning the politics of an environment. And I think also it's not just us navigating us, but also those who are in power, how do we engage that group in a way that we garner allies? And you need allies across the board in order to get to a next place. So all of my hard work means nothing if I have not somehow or another created allies in other areas that will help to promote me to the next place. And it's a challenge. Um, That's a whole other podcast probably for someone else. But I see similarities sometimes with some of the other things that I do. Certainly. That's where we get into a lot of the discussion between the difference between mentoring and sponsorship or having having yes. a senior mentor versus yes. having a senior sponsor. Yeah. Yes. And, and there's a little overlap in there too, a little mm-hmm. bit of gray. Yeah. So speaking along those lines, can you describe some of your proudest moments as a STEM mentor? Oh, there are so many. I think just starters off the top, when you mentor someone, anybody for anything, If you've done it for any period of time and somebody comes back to you and says, I got this thing and you were a part of that. That's just like my work here is done. That's as good as it gets. And so I've done it for a considerable amount of time, long enough to see people really make some incredible changes in the world. And and, you know, you had a small hand in affecting the future. So seeing someone who's doctor, someone and they're doing all these fabulous things. And I remember when you were like, you know, just turned 17 yesterday, your people threw out the car at college and you, you know, deer in the headlights and you weren't sure what to do and whatever, whatever. And your, you know, your biggest concern was whether your hair was right, you know, and then to watch people evolve into these other, just these, just grow into these other really cool individuals who make decisions about what kinds of problems will we solve in the world? Who decides which problems get solved? So to see someone that you were engaged with, they choose problems that, you know, you talked about years ago and you saw, you know, so it's just, I think, so proudest moments, I think every day I'm fortunate enough to know that I've contributed to making a difference in the world. Specific things, being a part of the, I helped to found the Connected Conference. That was a very, as many conferences as I've been to, and you probably have too, and there's so many, to be a part of a group to start something or create something where people who do this work have a forum, another forum where they can come and share and engage. That's a big deal. I not only have an affinity for students that are mentored, but also I just really like the military. We who do this work, it's some hard work. You got to love it to do it. You know, they're never going to pay you enough. I don't care if it's a million dollars. The things we do, you take money out of your purse to give somebody food or a book or something to get because you know Great things await that person and you'll do anything to help them. Um, All of the many of us work with no resources. Many of us, you know, in some cases have to start a program from scratch and then continue. So to create a forum where those people who create the STEM population that we're that we're looking at to find something that will serve those folks. I think that has great meaning to me. So I'm one of the co-founders with some really great people, uh, Beverly Watford and Virginia Booth. 
and uh, Daryl Williams and, and Bina, I can't remember her last name, over in uh, ASEE. That was a wonderful, that was just a, that had great meaning to me. And I'll pause there. One of the things I, with the receiving the Pace Memo Award is an incredible, incredible honor. I, I do this work. I openly acknowledge I'm good at what I do, but so are lots of other folks. And some folks I think are maybe even better than me, like definitely even better than me. There's some that I just, that I have people that I really look up to. And so when they choose out of how many, many people that we know do this work and they pick a single person, I'm representative of so many, many. So receiving that award, that award, I felt like I was receiving it on behalf of all the folks who've done this work for all the years and folks who helped me to get where I'm at. One of the interesting things about the PACE MIM Award, I first heard about it when the Women in Engineering program at Penn State, it can be, the PACE MIM Award can be for an individual or for an organization. And so at that time, the organization, the Women in Engineering program at Penn State received a PACE MIM Award, and it does incredible work. I had the good fortune to, to manage that program later. Little did I know at the time that it was receiving the award. But um, because I was later managing that program, I got the good fortune to be invited to Korea as not just a guest speaker, but I've gone multiple times, but to participate in efforts where they're trying to create a women in engineering program for a country. That's such an amazing thing. So I'm like, wow, that's incredible. And I asked, why did you pick me? Why? You know, there are lots of web programs out there. I'm doing what I can. We, you know, we are Penn State, et cetera. But why us? Why not? There are so many others. And they said, because we looked across the world. And particularly in the United States was really good at women in engineering. And if you received an award from the president of the United States, you must be the best. And so we wanted only the best to come and talk to us about, which was quite surprising to me because in my world, you know, you live day to day. It's just my life. And to have someone else tell you, oh, no, you're you're the best. But that was quite surprising for me. But that was an incredible opportunity that I got in terms of it's a situation where I got to learn something. I learned I don't know everything, which is actually good for me as my kids will tell you. And I seeing what the barriers are globally are quite interesting. So the solutions we have here, they work here. Some of them will work abroad, but it really helped me to encourage others to find solutions that work within their culture to make these things happen. So many of those programs there have gone on for, I think, over 10 years, they had a 10-year anniversary. So that was just a very cool thing to have been a part of something when it started. That was a very, very cool thing. I, um, I'll pause there. There are a number of interesting things that, that I've got to be a part of, and it's, I'm very fortunate. So very fortunate. I, I feel like we could have spent the entire hour talking about all yes. of these really great, amazing experiences you've had and the ability you've had to influence globally. That's incredible. And I really appreciate your pointing out that things that we start here in the United States or that efforts that work well here in the United States aren't necessarily going to be the best solutions for those who are experiencing similar challenges and barriers around the world. I really like resonate with your comment about what works for your culture and your community is what you ought to pursue. Yes. Yes. So my, my last question for you if you could give any one piece of advice, and I, I think you've given us an incredible wealth of <laughs> advice in this podcast, but if you could give any one piece of advice to current engineers who would like to move up in leadership, what would it be? I go back to the community, engage in the community you wish to become a part of. So whether you can engage directly or it's indirectly, 
start to, I would also say, hold the conversation about where you want to be and what you would like to do, you know. And when people know that you're interested in in certain things, they will bring opportunities to you. If they don't know you're interested in, they have no reason to talk to you about other opportunities. Kind of find, you know, whether it's mentors, if you're very fortunate, a sponsor, but just someone who can kind of look for multiple groups of people and individuals who can give you insight about that place you're trying to go. So I just think it's so important. Again, hard work is not enough. I think it's important to learn the politics of what makes a position what it is, understand what the position does, what their powers really are and what not. Sometimes you, one of the things I learned, I was, I, well, I'll just to keep it short, I've been in certain positions where I thought I wanted to do this job. And when I get into a situation like, okay, I don't like that job. I don't, I thought I did, but I don't, I don't want to do that. And it's important to know what you don't want to do as much as what you do and not to romanticize something that you think you want. But if there's something you want, make friends, participate in the community, ask around, don't underestimate your own value and your own potential. I'd like to be a university president, but oh, I don't have the qualifications for that. One of the things I often think about is when you look at men very often will, if you look at when they look at jobs, so if they qualify for five out of 10 of the job qualifications, they're like, oh yeah, I got this. We're going to apply. Women, if it's nine out of 10 and she can't do that one thing, oh my God, I just, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I would just say, take every opportunity. Don't underestimate yourself. Don't presume someone better than you can be in that position. I'm repeating myself, but you get the general idea. Engage, engage, go after it and engage with others who will help you go after it. And be, I always say, give the thing that you want. So if you have an opportunity to help someone else get somewhere they want to get, I think that just comes back to you in a karmic universal kind of a way where others will help you get where you need to go also. Yeah, I love that so much, Amy. Thank you so much again for taking the time. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been wonderful. I think your messages about community and the importance of surrounding surrounding ourselves with people who are going to be able to provide the different perspectives and create that community and for us so that we can continue to succeed and to give back and to be vocal about being an engineer and to ensure that folks know they can be engineers as well. That representation is absolutely critical. So thank you again so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm Rachel Morford. For all of us at SWE, thanks for listening. enjoyed this episode of Diverse. Remember to head to we21.swe.org to learn more about and register for this year's conference. 